Well, that was great. Everything's great about this place, except my voice this morning. <clears throat> I'm not sure what I can do about it either, because it was that walk in the rain two days ago across the parking lot when I got soaked, soaked and, and uh, tried to recuperate from that, but this is the recuperation. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Okay. I was going to call uh, Mark and say, hey, listen, you better get more history to give to the folks. But then the more I talked and the more I worked in the room there, the, the more audible I became. So I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, gals. But this is the best I can do. Hopefully it'll get better as we, as we move through. Now that we've got, yeah. <clears throat> So I'm going to do it again. Keep drinking. But that's only water, so relax. <clears throat> I want to go back a little bit and bring out some of the important, important things I would like you to take home with you. Because apart from that, it's useless of me being here. But one of the things I would like you to do is remember that missions is not an add-on. Missions is not an add-on. It's the dearest thing in the heart of God for which he gave his son to move into the program which he had planned in eternity. So uh, this was launched, that, that plan was launched in creation. It was ex expressed in kernel form in Genesis 3.15. The fight, the enmity, and you find this all the way through any, any mission work you're going to do. We get into that. That plan necessitated a channel. Enter Abram. Abraham, that began. The plan repeatedly expressed in the Old, Old Testament. It's modeled by Christ, God's missionary. And that's where we begin. The plan to culminate in the throngs around the throne. It, that's a beautiful situation. I suppose some of you people would have an ex, a, a select place in that choir up there. I'm hoping you will. Maybe the, the angels would appreciate some help. Uh, anyway, there's going to be a song. There's going to be a song. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every ethnic group, every language. Can you believe it? It's going to be there. And that the ingratitude, they'll be bowing and praising God. Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lord. And that's why we're doing what we're doing right here. Now, I want, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to begin with an article that I want to read for you. It's this. It's the flip side of, it's what you're going into, actually. It's, it's, it was a statement read over the PA system at a football game in, Ro in Roan County High School in, in Tennessee a couple years ago. But I, I filed it, and I like it. He says this on the PA system. It has always been the custom of this high school football, or this high school, to, uh, to say a word of greeting as we begin and sing the national anthem. <clears throat> Due to the ruling of the Supreme Court, I am told that saying a prayer 
is a violation of federal case law. As I understand the law of, at this time, I can use the public facility to, prove, to approve of sexual perversion and call it an alternate lifestyle. And if someone is offended, that's okay. I can use it to condone sexual promis promiscuity by dispensing condoms and calling it safe sex. If someone is offended, that's okay. I can even use this public facility to present the merits of killing an unborn baby as a viable means of birth control. And if someone is offended, no problem. I can designate a school day as Earth Day and involve stu students in activities to worship religiously and praise the goddess of Mother Earth and call it ecology. I can use literature, videos, and presentation in the classroom that depicts people with strong traditional Christian convictions as being only simple-minded and ignorant and call it enlightenment. However, he says, today, though I can't publicly do this, I'm asking all who want to pray, I'm shorting this for you, all who want to pray, join hands, bow your heads, and pray from where you sit there. And I read that again, and I said, hmm, that's what these young people are going into out there. That's the world into which you're moving. You're not going to be in a safe place for long here. So enjoy it while you've got it. And then we walk through some things that I've, I kind of enjoy, and that is uh, how has we come out of the, the past in missions, the flow of terminology, I don't know, you kind of, kind of um, I enjoy it, so I'll give it to you here. First of all, they, 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 they talked of civilizing the savages, civilizing the cannibals. And then there was Christianizing the heathen pagans. And then there was evangelizing, that's about when I moved into the system. Evangelizing the unevangelized, the natives. And then it became church planning among the natives who have now become nationals. And now it's currently bringing in the sheaves and discipling. All of that's okay, that's good. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's bad. It's just that it was interesting to know how this all unfolded as we moved into the, 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 the current situation. So you've got cannibals, two pagans, two natives, two nationals, to that current situation, which is, I guess, maybe disciples would hit that. So uh, that's what I got, uh, got into yesterday. Now, I, I majored on the negative yesterday because I think it's good that you know, you know what's going on out there. I just want to add a couple things right here. Our gadgetry in the negative is taking us away from the heart of missions, which is building relationships through which evangelism and discipleship can take place. With minimum relationships, there is minimum interaction, thus minimum evangelism, and minimum discipleship, and thus little church planning. Mark that down. Mark that down, because that's how this thing unfolds. All of which is birthing a new face of missions a very shallow missionary commitment from two to four years while inciting young people to move out to the nations 
and often engaging them for longer term of service, generally speaking, especially in a cross-cultural setting, short-term missions is questionable. So if you're going to be a missionary, plan for long-term. As my kid, my grandkids are out on the field, I told you before, and all three of the families said we're, we're in for, 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 for forever because that's what God wants us to do. And I take my hat off to them. But globalization is pushing Western missions out to the peripheral. Now that's the negative that I shared with you yesterday. Today I want to move with the constants. What is, what is constant, what is positive in mission? And I have uh, uh, several here. The first is mankind does not change that much. The heart of mankind is the same as it was when we were in missions. The field, the target of our mission is still mankind. The need of man, the same human problems lie at the root of all his shortcomings and disturbances. He is lost, not because of his social plight, which is poverty, but he is lost because of sin. His basic needs remain the same, only the cultural mechanics through which these mechanisms manifest themselves is different. So be careful as you move out. Be careful as you move out that you don't get into the whole, whole holistic trend these days where, where you work to try to meet all their needs. And in doing so, the weakness of that is that evangelism takes less priority. So you move into actually uh, just a lot of these other things which are second priority. That's mankind. His basic needs remain the same. Only the cultural mechanics through which these mechanisms manifest themselves is different. So be careful about embracing the holistic trends of mission today. Sin is the problem. And mankind knows it. People need the Lord. You probably know the song. <clears throat> but I'll go one step further. People want the Lord out there. People want the Lord. There. People who are waiting for you to share the gospel with them. And I remember moving over a mountain one day, going down to a, uh, into the lower parts of the area where there were people there but as I sat on a little ridge, resting with probably half a dozen of my, of my men, all of a sudden I heard deep down in the trees a voice calling out. And that call was, Mulia Nagarigo, Mulia Nagarigo, Ilu Nagarigo, Ilu Nagarigo. When he got up to where I was, I said, what were you calling out there? He said, I'm going to Mulia to get the gospel. I'm going to Elu to get the gospel. That's why. And he was riding on the back of the shoulders of a, one of his friends to get there. People want the Lord, folks. People want the Lord. But you can't go shoving it down his throat either. You've got to build a relationship before, before you can move into that area. Uh, the Donnies have that saying, and I like it. If I didn't, I wouldn't share it with you. <laughs> okay. It. I kind of fell into it one day with my informants translating the scriptures. And that, 
that's sort of an adage, something that they talked about around the fire at night. And this is what it was. Loiter not on the banks of the muddy stream. Search for the cool, pure spring water. That's before the, world, the word got there. But this, they were waiting and looking and searching for those, that cool, clear water uh, to, be, uh, to become theirs. And so that's what they knew was happening. The gospel was coming, and that was the cool, clear water for which they were waiting. I'd share it, but I think I need it up here. Look at my water. <laughs> the second constant is God himself. God's not changing. He prepares the harvest. I know I've been in mission 60 years now, but it, amazing me, it amazes me that God one day reached in my preteens and then into my teens and said, Dave, I want you. I've got a job for you. He has a job for you folks. He has a job for each one of you if you want to accept it and enjoy the blessing which comes of that. He prepares the harvest, and God manifests himself in different ways from age to age. He is active. You got that? God is active in the whole activity of missions. You'll find that in so many ways once you get on the trail, trail with God, because he's there. Right now, there are a lot of examples of Jesus manifesting himself to Muslims in dreams. We never programmed him. God is doing that. It's a rare occasion, but it's happening all the time. If you read that little green book about Carlos, and if you haven't, you should. We're going to make sure you get a few of them sometime here. Uh, but you're going to read how some, someone in white has, has approached Carlos often, uh, confirming in his heart the direction that he should be going in his ministry. And I don't advise you to do that, but for him, it was God confirming the direction that uh, he wanted Carlos to go, and Carlos is still moving in that, that symmetry there for his glory. God is manifesting himself through healings, and uh, I'm a conservative, I'm a conservative. Uh, but that doesn't mean God can't work through some of these things to embrace what he feels is necessary in, in meeting his people. <clears throat> That's the second thing. God himself is a constant in human behavior. Thirdly, <clears throat> the church, his body, is a constant. You got that? But now it is an international organization. I say that, I don't like that. Movement, movement. God is calling and equipping the reapers, the church, his body, is the organism in which God and man are united in relationship. This is God's answer to the continuous, continuous ministry of Christ here on earth. The body continues to grow from age to age. Okay, you've got different tribes, but different tribes are being reached now, and they, they're adding to that. But without meaningful relationships, there actually is no mission. And you better believe that. 
You better, without a relationship, you might as well pack up and go home because that's where, that's where the gospel crosses, transcends the, the, the need and moves into the hearts. It, it's a very necessary thing. Without re- meaningful relationships, there's really no mission. God wanted it that way. And have you ever thought why God requested or prepared uh, uh, the incarnation principle in Jesus? It's because he wanted, he wanted someone human to relate, <coughs> relate to humans. Because he was both, I know that. But apart from the human aspect, that's what we learned in anthropology. You want to reach a people, okay, you identify as much as you can with that target group. And in, in uh, identifying, you will, you'll, you'll move into a, a close relationship because it's, it's what they're looking for. But let's not lose church, church planning uh, in our objective of missions. There is a global harvest going on. But it's no longer the West to the rest. You got it? It has been. My son-in-law works in the Mideast and uh, under, he's got about 30 teams under him. And he was, he's the one that, that uh, is strong on this. Dad, he'll say, you got to do it, but you're not the only one out there. And that makes a difference. Number four, I've listed here another, uh, another constant. The scriptures announcing the message of God is still a constant. It's this book here. And you've seen my Donnie Bible. It's a bit large because it's an explosive language. But that's where it all began, begins. And that's where it leads the, the, the missionary in his, in his service. Shows the way to walk in this relationship. So we've got to hang on to that message, whatever you do, as you move out there. Son-in-law John, who works with young people all the time, pioneers, he says this. There is a declining commitment to the authority of God's word. Keep your ears open. It's there. It's a declining commitment to the authority of God's word. The spirit of this age has radically impacted missions. Thankfully, there are many strong, vibrant, Bible-believing disciples from our Western Western evangelical churches. So we find hope in that. And then lastly, I think it's lastly, yes, it is. The Great Commission is still still a mandate. Still a mandate. And we've got to do something about it. From age to age, it does not change. It's a constant. God is at work. Pray ye, therefore, that he will continue that work. John says this. There is a spiritual, that's my son-in-law, by the way. There's a spiritual passion born from authentic desperation that is accompanying much of the global missions enterprise. Many of our brothers and sisters from emerging nations are simply moving out in obedience to the God who is there. There is a desperation, I love this, there's a desperation noted for God 
in and among the fields that we work with. Aligning the rhythm of our lives with the God who is there and remaining face down. You know what that is, face down? Anyone want to guess? In prayer. Face down in prayer. Before, before God, desiring to know him in intimacy before seeking to serve him. I think I'll give that again. <clears throat> I don't have any witnesses on that. <laughs> Aligning the rhythm of our lives with the God who is there and remaining face down before him. Desiring to know him in intimacy before seeking to serve him. Do you know how to pray? Do you take time to pray? Do you have a prayer list? Then he says this. <clears throat> he says, I have watched in awe as untouchables, AIDS patients in India, have come to drink from the wellspring of life because of the gentle touch of a loving doctor. Travestites are coming to faith. They experience gender confusion healed, then become, uh, they become agents of his grace to others. Global nomads are finding their hearts healed after years of journeying toward the light. Muslims are discovering that Christ alone can heal their marriages, calm the fires of anger within, and put them on a pathway toward love. Carlos. Carlos actually ministers to Muslims, and he tells a story. He tells a story. He was preaching away one day about the, the grace of God, and an, old, <clears throat> an older man in the, in the, in the uh, uh, the, the small church they had there, he jumped to his feet. He says, would you say that again? Would you say that again? And Carlos did say that, explaining the, the whole uh, uh, salvation experience. And he says, why is it that only now you have come to share this with me? How can I find him? How can I find him? Well, Carlos led him to the Lord right there. And then he donated a patch of land to build a church right there in his village. So God is at work, folks. Don't, don't feel that I've been too negative on the other side. Well, but it's not mission tourism that gets us through. It's building relationships that allow you the privilege of witnessing to those people whom you, whom you find interested. So what's your strategy? Well, the strategy I quickly listed here. Embrace God's plan. He's got it. He's got the plan. Commit to the task. For God so loved the world, that is still viable here. Okay, you got that? Secondly, I've said, define your missionary's role and require accountability. I talk to young people Okay, it's all right to be led of the Lord to certain, a certain place. But once you get to that place, geographic, geographic place for the tribe, is you have to find your fit. Does that make sense to you? Find your where you belong or how you relate to the people. Maybe you're through your spiritual gift. Maybe there is something else there, but you've got to find your fit and settle into that and be the man of God that will that he wants you to be among that tribe. To do that, 
to, to do that, you've got to be selective in your needs. And, and then, and I know you know this because it's, I, I hear it all the time, focus on the nationals. Nationals are the key to a, a productive, fruitful ministry. So don't try to go off on your own and do your own thing because it won't work. Not even in the primitive society, it's not going to work. An illustration in closing. I think you know the story of Tibinok. He, he was there when the, those folks from the Koyan, the chief from the Koyan, the guy with the uh, nose bones, passionately said, I'm here to see if some of you could come back with me and share with us down there the same message you, scared, you shared with the Donnies here, at which point they believed and are reading something on paper which has changed their lives. Fantastic. Well, he sat down. Tibanuna jumped to his feet, jumped to his feet and looked at me. He said, I'm a baby in Christ. But he said, can I go with him back and be the one that takes the gospel to those people? He went back with them. He was there for probably a little bit over a year, as I remember, bringing the people together, teaching them, training, talking with them. But one day he turned up at Mulia, our station, and I didn't know it was him walking ahead of me with a cane. I overtook him and looked, and here it was Tibanondo. And I said, Tibanondo, what are you doing here? When did you come back? It's about four days to where they were. When did you come back? He stopped, leaning on his cane, and said, Tuan, I'm sick. I'm sick. And I came back to get some help for my sickness. He had malaria, actually. And so he said, when I got back here, one of my wives, who's a polygamist, who's a polygamist at that point, one of my wives has passed away. Two of my children have passed away. My garden has been eaten up by the pigs. What am I supposed to do? Well, I said, probably just sit back and rest for a while. He said, no way, no way. Then he, he tapped me on the arm and said, look up, look up. I looked up. You see, he said, among those clouds, there's a patch of blue. The sky is still blue up there. And he said, I'm going back to continue the ministry, which I began there among the Koyans. He did. He did. He's gone now. He's gone. But that work has gone through three or four churches throughout that area and three or four different tribal peoples in that vast area as well. To me, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I want to, in closing, go back to Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained, ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Folks, God is still looking for men, ladies, to move out into some of these tribes and share the gospel message with those who have not yet heard of Jesus Christ. 
Maybe there's someone here that would like to commit themselves, not necessarily to the Koyanans, but to an unreached people group. Don't pull back because you'll find joy in doing what God is asking you to do. That's been my life. And I tell people, I'll tell you, although you probably heard it, a lot of times people say to him, what are you going to do now? Do you have any regrets? And I say, no. Well, he says, they say, uh, what are you planning on doing? Well, I, they talk about retirement. I'm not sure if I'm going to retire or not. But, but anyway, I tell them, I have one thing. I have one thing that I desire more than anything else. And he says, what's that? And I said, my desire is to have another 50 years in missions to be able to reach another people group. 83, you can't do that. 83, you can't do that. But I can dump this into your lives, young people, and to encourage you to take God's word practically, importantly, and head in that direction because there are people groups out there who need the Savior. God bless you. It's been a joy to be with you.